Good morning. Some things to reflect upon this morning together. Just as you do, though, there's two things that I want to draw to your attention. Haley's mentioned them already this morning, the 15th. So the 15th is coming. That's in, uh, what, two weeks' time. And it's going to go quick. So there's a card here and there's some more, maybe some on your seats or out there in the foyer on the way out this morning. And we have on the 15th our Christmas banquet. So what we do on that morning is we invite friends, families, neighbours, anyone who perhaps you would know that doesn't understand or perhaps um, wants to celebrate the Christmas story but maybe doesn't have a location for that to happen. And so here's an invite. This is the week that you need to do it though. And we meet here at 10 to 10.45 to 10.50. Uh, we'll have some drama sketch. We'll have some music. I will talk briefly. And uh, that's a promise. And uh, we will celebrate the Christmas story. And then afterwards outside there's a banquet. And so we fill the courtyard with all kinds. We farmyard animals from the first nativity. Um, we've got them. And uh, we have all different activities like sticky things and we have human slingshots that were part of the Christmas story if you really look in the Bible deep enough. And uh, so it's actually somewhat something for everyone. And uh, we share food together and that's a great thing. So this is the week that we do our invites. And so there's a card that you can use for that as well. The second thing, and I look forward to it, the 25th um, is when we have our Christmas Day and we celebrate it here and it's, it's awesome, um, but we also do a Christmas appeal. So if you need some cards as you're putting in your stockings or you're starting to think about presents wrapping, this is the one you can be part of the appeal beforehand. Um, you can actually help fund um, towards that project and give someone a card as well to say, hey, you've been part of that as well. Wow. It's going to happen quickly from here. Do you notice we have a tree here? This is the 1st of December. Summer has come. And for many people, traditions in their household on this day, today, is that people go out hunting trees. If we have time today, I'm going to hunt myself a tree. Um, if you've got a good-looking Christmassy kind of tree in your house, it's fair game for me. I'm just going to drive around the streets and try and find a perfect Christmas tree to actually stand up in my house. In fact... Now's the day that people would cut trees in some families, so it actually all opens today. You see Christmas tree farms around sort of the area, and uh, it's all on sale today. And people will decorate their trees. So I deliberately put this up, because I thought, I'm not sure if I'm going to get to my tree um, so far today. Um, we'll see what happens, but this is our NCR tree, and I'm going to put the first decoration on for the year next week, hopefully. This will all be done, decorated, and perfect. So there it is. There's my first. There it is. There's there. What do you think? First decoration. We're going to try and fill this thing over the coming weeks ahead. If it stays on there, that would be good. We'll redecorate it and make it perfect just in a few weeks' time. In fact, there are many people who have traditions. I wonder what your tradition has been in your family, wherever you come from, around Christmas time. We would get out this thing called an advent calendar. I never knew. What was an advent calendar? All I knew is that it had a snowman on it. And uh, for people who lived in the southern lands, the snowman, I never really, never really clicked as a kid. Why do we have all of these pockets with numbers heading up to the number 25? And there was a pocket with lollies in them. And I came from a family, four boys, dad and mum, so there were six lollies that would go in. We would wake up in the morning time and you'd run out to the advent calendar and you'd pluck one of the pockets. You start with the number of the day and then you would eat the lolly, and you would give them out to the others. And if your brothers slept in, or if you felt your mum and dad didn't need a lolly, you would take extra ones, and then there would be this huge argument against, you know, with your brothers, yeah? So for the next day, they would try and wake up and beat you to the pocket so they could actually, and then eat yours as a payback. 
I mean, these Advent calendars cause all kind of pain and suffering, I tell you. Advent just basically means arrival, coming. And so for anyone who put up an Advent calendar or in the, the Christian tradition was, was remembering that something significant happened and a child would be born, the coming of Jesus Christ. And so there would be the numbers of the days counting up to number 25. In fact, Christmas trees came from, from Germany, that tradition in the 18th century. They had evergreen trees and they would decorate them and now it spread throughout the entire world. I wonder what traditions you had when you were growing up that might start today. Advents leading up to the remembrance of the birth of a child. I remember as a child working my way through counting the days off to Christmas Day. There was one particular Christmas where raced out and, and you know, the, the fun and the pleasure as a kid was just opening presents. There's some people out here that fold their presents. They fold their Christmas wrapping paper. Is anyone here a folder? Shame on you. Because the whole idea was that you would have to rip and tear the excitement. That was, yeah, okay, all right. The, no heckling from the crowd. And then we would tear and we would rip our presents open. And, and the excitement of it was that Christmas had come and there'd be presents under the tree. And I remember one particular Christmas morning, my older brothers, they're twins, they got bicycles. They got bicycles. And so the tradition around our house and around our street, because we lived in a court, was that everyone would open their presents and then after about an hour or so, everyone would make their way out into the street. The kids would. They would parade their presents. So I remember the Christmas morning when my brothers got bikes and I didn't. We headed out into the street and there were some other kids in the street who got bikes as well. Bikes. My goodness. And they were riding around the circle, parading their bikes, looking so uppity. And all I had was, I don't know, a skateboard or two rocks to rub together. (laughs) What did I do? I think I vaguely remember pushing them off their bikes and probably throwing stones at them and and being miserable about my present because I had to wait a whole nother year before I got my bike and so the count began again. (laughs) And so you would wait in hope and in expectation. The arrival would be coming and you'd wait for the calendar to come and then you'd count it all off and the whole thing would happen again. In fact, that's the same kind of hope and expectation that as a Melbourne football supporter, I've been experiencing literally for the last three or four years, I have turned up the first day of the football season. None of the Melbourne supporters here, you would understand. I would take my son, we would travel in and there's this same sort of hope that would build and this, this little narrative would run through your head. Maybe this year, maybe this year we'll get to sing our song. <laughs> maybe this year we'll get to sing our song once. Maybe I'll be there on that day in which we will sing our song once. Maybe this will be the beginning in which the glory days of the 50s and 60s before I was born, thank you very much, would actually arrive and that we would sing those glory days once again. All the goodness would come back and this would be the season when the tide would turn and the new thing would come and and you know what? All our Christmases would come at once. That I tell you, for the last three or four years we have turned up opening game of the season with that same kind of expectation and hope. Halfway through the first quarter, every year, I have turned to my son simultaneously and we have gone, there's always next year. <laughs> Seriously, literally, oh, there's always next year. But it's getting old now because we, it's always next year. There's always next year because nothing seems to change. It always seems to be the same. If you asked a Jewish person about hope, if you asked a Jewish person who lived in the time just at the arrival of Jesus Christ about hope, 
they would probably say something, a small remnant of them would say something like this, hope, we have been standing on tippy toes of hope and expectation for centuries. They could reach back to 700 years before and say, the time in which Isaiah, the great prophet who was part of our nation, lived, he gave us words of hope. In fact, you could even reach beyond Isaiah 700 years to centuries before when their common ancestor Abraham was given the promise of hope that God would show up one day in spectacular form. He would right wrongs, put the world back to rights again and that God's people would be the ones who would shine and reflect him to the rest of the world and they would see what God is truly like. If you asked a Jewish person about the time of Jesus, about hope, they would say, maybe a remnant of them would say, we've still been standing on tippy toes. We've still been waiting for something to happen, for God to arrive. In fact, they would say 700 years ago when Isaiah first spoke to us as a people, That was the same time in which the the great powerful nation of Assyria was starting to flex their muscles in the north. In fact, Isaiah came to them, the people of God, and said these words to them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you, Israel. Even when you offer many prayers, I'm not listening. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Provocative words of judgment to these people. You see, they lived in a time in which their religious activity had just become that religious activity. They thought they could cover up all of their evil deeds, if you like, by just offering a few prayers, make a few sacrifices. God will listen. And he said, actually, unless you change, unless you turn away, unless you wash your hands and rend your hearts, I won't hear you. Cover it with all the religious activity you like. I'm not listening. Powerful, provocative words. In fact, he said this to them, if you don't change, I will whistle to the powerful people of Assyria, they will come down and they will surround you right up to your neck. Dark days of gloom will come. And they did. Assyria comes. A new overlord takes over. But in the midst of that despair and darkness, Isaiah the prophet also utters these words as he foresees and looks ahead. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. And it goes on and says this, He will reign on David's throne over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on forever and ever and the zeal of the Lord Almighty that is God will accomplish these things. You see, there was this song, there was this narrative, there was this hope that used to run through like a thread throughout the generation of generation that God would come, that finally rights would be, wrongs would be put to right. If you like, there was this, this song that was sung, there's these words that were repeated, there was this promise that was held on to that God would come and he would wash people's hands and make them clean. There would be forgiveness. That he would fellowship with his people. That is, he would fill his temple and be present with them. 
and that he would give them freedom and liberty from oppressing pagan overlords once and for all. In fact, these same words, these words that Isaiah spoke, were put to song a few centuries ago. Have a look at this man with the funny hair. Anyone know who he is? He's an Englishman. He's by the name of Handel. He wrote a famous oratio that's often sung at this time at Christmas time. Handel's Messiah. In fact, this is sung all throughout the world, if you like. In 1741, he wrote this oratio and he put these two words and he, he put these words and immortalised them, if you like, at Christmas time. For unto us a child is born. It's okay, my family, no more singing. Except for this, unto us. <laughs> and one more, a son is given unto us. And it goes on. See, if you like, if you ask a Jewish person at the time of the arrival of Jesus, if you hoped, they would say, no, 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 there's this, been this song that we've been singing. There's this words that we've been repeating and there's a small remnant of us that holds on and believes that God will come, that fellowship will be real, that forgiveness will be ours and freedom will come. But the tragedy of this story is that from one generation to the next, they were in the grip of just the next overlord. After Assyria, there was Babylon. In 587, the unthinkable happened. Jerusalem fell to marauding invaders from the north. Babylon the Great. They took the best of Israel into exile. And in that place, they longed for God to actually fulfil this promise, this song, this repeated narrative. They came back 70 years later from exile and they hoped maybe this is the time where God will work. But no, there is no king. There is no great utopian. There is no God who is actually changing things for good. This is where we are. In fact, from that time on, from generation to generation, they just get thrust about from the new overlord. There was Alexander the Great, the Greek. Then there was the Ptolemies under Egyptian rule. And then there was the Syrians under a man named Antiochus Epiphany. Just when they thought that things couldn't get any darker, things couldn't get any gloomier, a man by the name of Antiochus who called himself Epiphanes, that is God incarnate, called himself God incarnate, came and took over Israel and, uh, and there in the temple of Jerusalem he does the most profane thing. He walks in and he sets up an altar near where the altar to Yahweh, the supreme God, is the Jewish God, is the God of the world and he sets up an altar to the Greek God Zeus and he takes a most defiling animal, a pig for a Jewish person and he takes it into that precinct and he slaughters it and, and he sacrifices it on that altar and then he goes and profanes the whole temple sanctuary by spreading the blood around everywhere in the temple. Just when the Jewish people thought it couldn't get any worse, another tyrant, they called him the madman. Well, as a result of that, there's a group of people, one family by the name of the Maccabees, they rise up. Jason Maccabees takes over on December 25th 164 BC and for a period of time a Jewish person might say this Jason Maccabee one is like a Messiah maybe he is the one that will usher in God's reign finally our song can be sung but only a short generation later Pompey the Roman overlord comes in 63 BC on a rampage he makes his way to Jerusalem slaughters 12,000 people and sets up the Roman rule of which Jesus is part of during his lifetime. 
just when they thought things couldn't get any darker and gloomier. And yet there's still a remnant that stands on tippy toes, remembering the words of Isaiah, for unto us a child, the son is given. In the midst of our doom and our gloom, in the midst of our pain and our suffering, God, are you silent? Do you speak? Are you here? Rome establishes its peace by the most brutal, exquisite methods. The most grievous one being crucifixion. Rome creates peace by brutalising and terrorising people. Around the time of Jesus, they would raise whole cities, they would deport and enslave whole towns and they would crucify thousands of people just for any form of insurrection, any form of rebellion, any hint, any whiff of rejection of Caesar as being king. But some people would stand on their tippy toes. God, have you forgotten us? God, will you come? For unto us a child is born. And then in the hill country, in a town called Nazareth, in a gloomy area in Galilee in the north, a young lady by the name of Mary says to her betrothed husband, I'm with child. And an angel has spoken to me. This is of God's doing. Joseph, a young man, going to discard her, the shame of it, Mary, now utters on his lips too, God has spoken to me. The song gets louder. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a child is given. Joseph and Mary. I wonder about the conversation. Could this be? Could this be finally? God speaking and acting towards us. Is this the child? And the words of the prophet Isaiah. Are they coming true in our day? Nevertheless, God says through Isaiah, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. 700 years before Mary and Joseph. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honour Galilee of the nations where Jews and Gentiles live. People who were not of Jewish descent. People like you and I. By the way of, uh, the, way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And then these words break forth as they wonder, could this be? For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, on the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. I tell you what, this year, December the 1st, as you are cutting your tree and doing your Christmas decorations, as you reflect upon the year that has been and has come, I wonder if you would say, I've been living in darkness. I wonder if you look back the year and you say there's been high points of praise but there's been low points of pain. 
I wonder as you decorate your tree, how you would assess your year to be and you might even find yourself whispering and asking God, do you hear me? Do you see me? And are you here with me? I wonder this season, as you begin to go through your Christmas traditions, if you might pause for a moment and ask yourself, what is it that I need? And who is God to me? Do you need a wonderful counsellor? Do you need someone who understands you deeper than what you understand yourself or those around to reach down into your life and to be able to work out things in you and for you that no other person can? You do need a wonderful counsellor. I wonder this year as you decorate the tree, if you pause for a moment, if you might ponder and say, I actually need a mighty God. I need a mighty God to reach down his hands into my life and to do things that I cannot do for myself because they seem beyond me. God, I need you to be mighty. I wonder if you need to experience the arms of an everlasting father, a good father. You need to know the embrace and the closeness and the shepherding of a God who welcomes Lord, you just need to experience some peace in the chaos and the turmoil of your life. Oh, as we decorate the tree, do you hear the song? Not the ones in the shopping centres, but this song. The Mary and Joseph song. The one that says, God has come. He is not silent and he hears your voice and your cry and your longing for this Christmas. Twenty years after Jesus departed from this earth, a follower of his by the name of Paul wrote this exquisite line in a letter he wrote to Christians. He said this about these events that we're building up to celebrate. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman. When the right time came. It was as though that God in his heavenly calendar was marking off the days. Am I silent? No. Will I act? Yes. But counting off his heavenly calendar, it came to the time and the day when he said, I will act. The day turned. The calendar ticked. God acted He acted decisively in this world just at the right time. God sent forth, born of a woman, so that anyone who reaches out and bends their knee and declares, this is the king and he has come and he is the king of my life too. He says he will welcome you into his eternal family. He'll make his abode and his dwelling with you. God will fellowship with you He will wash and rend your hands and your heart clean and he will set you free. My friends, that is the essential message of Christmas. God has acted and this child has been born and it's the heart of Christmas. So this is my challenge to us as a community this month. 
Would you journey with us? As you're saying, hurry up Christmas or hurry up Boxing Day. (laughs) That you might pause and walk with God as King. You can do that in two ways. On some of your seats there's this booklet called The Journey to Bethlehem. Why don't you take this one with you? It's, it's a booklet that has passages from the Bible marked out for you, reflections to read and prayers to say that you might journey as a family, as an individual, as a group and say, let's journey with this together. All the way up to December 25th. Or perhaps this one that was being handed out and will be handed out afterwards. Ali, our formation lady here, has put together stories from people from this community as well as people from other communities about how God has acted in their life. In fact, it's also got the readings that are in this booklet. They're in the front. So you get a double whammy, ladies. And you can read through and journey through how God has acted decisively in people's lives as part of Christmas. You know, as we begin today, as you decorate the tree, as you begin to stir your heart towards Christmas, don't miss it. Don't let it pass you by. As you're saying, hurry up, let's get there. Why don't you walk with God? The band's going to come in a moment. And they're going to play a reflection to start with. And up on the screen before you right now, I thought that it might be apt for us this morning as a community of people to spend some time to, re- to pause and reflect and maybe pray. If praying's new for you here today, that's okay. You're welcome to pause and reflect upon the things that we've spoken about or perhaps you would like to pray too. God's for all. There's people this time of year in the Philippines been experiencing devastation from the typhoons. Crystal John brought it to my attention again. It's been on the news. She works with World Vision. Maybe some of us here, maybe we'd like to pray and say, God... Would you bring some hope out of gloom? Would you send good to come out of pain? Maybe you can pray for the 15th and the 25th. A good work, raising money. A good work, sharing the message of Christmas with friends. Pray for that, pray for them. That they would encounter God too. Because God's for them. Maybe you're here this morning and you go, I don't even get this Christianity Jesus stuff. Maybe a simple prayer for you is, God, if you're real, would you speak to me? Or maybe you're mindful of those who've been experiencing darkness for which Christmas is a difficult time. That you might pray for them. That God would draw close, not just in the form of a baby, but as a powerful, mighty God, that he would comfort those in need. He would shine his light upon their lives. And carry them. And it takes some time to pause and to pray. And as you prepare for Christmas, God said, just at the right time. You're not forgotten.